Well, I want to do a plug for the one-year Bible again. I don't know if you're reading it. If you're not, and you're not reading a daily devotional, I want to highly encourage the one-year Bible. It, it is one of the main things that has changed my life. Is, is the Word of God, number one, but the one-year Bible, I'm such a plan-oriented person that I, it just fits me. And I believe that those of you that aren't plan, planning-oriented, it's planned for you. I believe it'll fit you. But let me tell you, you've got to be in the Word. We sing the song, this is my daily bread. What's your daily bread? It should be the Word of God, daily. We need to eat on the Word of God daily. Everybody say amen. amen. If you're not reading your word every day, you are missing out. You're missing a meal. You're missing nourishment. You're missing direction. You're missing wisdom. You're missing guidance. You're missing the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Do you need the Holy Spirit speaking to you? Then start. You start. Get in His Word Listen to what he's saying. We're going we're gonna to read, we're going to look at today's reading, One Year Bible, May 8th. Now, if you've got another devotion, great. Don't change. Do what works for you. But if you don't, you can get it online. You can get it for free. You can get it on audiobook. You can get it read to you. You can get it on your Kindle. You can get the Word of God. It is not hard to get the Word. And if you don't have a Bible, we will give you one. We have had Bibles donated. We'll give you a Bible. Amen. Are you out there? All right. I want to tell you from personal testimony, reading your Bible every day will change your life. All right. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 22. 1 Samuel 2, verse 22. What's cool about the one-year Bible is, let's say the whole church starts doing it. You know what happens? We all get literally on the same page. And what's funny is, is if you can get two or three people together reading the same thing, you'll get two or three different looks at it. Dramatically different. Someone will get something that you would have never seen. They see it. Why? Because they're a part of the body that you're not. They're going to see something that you don't see. And what happens is we start rubbing up against each other, and that's that iron sharpening iron. That's why it's so important that the men get together, that the women get together, that families get together, so that we can talk about the Word of God and what it has meant in our life and help us get through what it is that we're facing. The Lord's going to give you something tonight to help you face what you're going to face tomorrow or tonight, right now. Father, in Jesus' name, let your words speak to us. 1 Samuel 22, 2, 22. Eli, he's the priest. Eli was very old. But he was aware of what his sons were doing to the people of Israel. He knew, for instance, that his sons were seducing the young women who assisted at the entrance of the tabernacle. This is in the church. How many of you know there are problems in the world, there are problems in the church? Why? Because we showed up. And we got problems. Amen. You got problems? I got problems. Welcome to earth. We got problems. So dad knows the boys are up to something. 
in the church. Eli said to them, I've been hearing reports from all the people about the wicked things you're doing. Why do you keep sinning? You must stop, my sons. The report I hear among the Lord's people are not good. Verse 25, if someone sins against a person, God can mediate for that guilty for the guilty party. But if someone sins against the Lord, who can intercede? But Eli's sons wouldn't listen to their father, for the Lord was already planning to put them to death. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel grew taller and grew in favor with the Lord and with the people. Uh, did I not have that one in there? Well, all right. Um. This is the New Living Translation. But when it says that about Samuel, you know what, where, where, who, who, who else it says that same statement about? Jesus. That he grew in favor of man and with God. That's what we're looking for. Now, what I want you to catch from, uh, this is kind of what I'm taking from this, is Eli, the father, knew the problems that were going on. He knew what was going on in the temple, which he was in charge of. He knew what was happening with his children, but he had no effect on them. Now, I believe, just, just by me reading and just by, I believe, the Spirit of God saying, these are adult kids. These are adult children in their working, right? Or at least of age. And here's Eli, he didn't know what to do. He knows what's going on. The whole town knows what's going on. And he's telling them, you know, you shouldn't do that. But they keep on going. I want to encourage you, parents, help your children. Connect to your children. And I don't care how old you are, you need to be connected to them. The reason that Abraham was chosen is because Scripture says that he commanded his family to follow God. Now, I don't think that that means nasty. Genesis 18, 19. For it says, this is God talking about um, Abraham. Genesis 18, 19. For I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. You can see that part of Abraham's Character, his ability to lead his family into the presence of God, into the glory of God, into the kingdom of God, is what opened the doors for him. Now, he was a man of faith, but I want you to know God chose him because he would command his family. And command like Jesus commands. Jesus commanded with love, not with guilt, not with abuse, but with love. God is love. So I want to encourage you, parents, love your children like Abraham loved his children. He commanded them to follow God. I don't believe it was an option. That's not an option. You ever had your kids ask you, can I go do this? Well, that's not even an option. Just remove that from your thinking. We're not even going to even talk about that. A statement that I make a lot of times in my home is, don't ask me again. What am I trying to do? I'm trying to turn it off. They don't have a switch. They don't have a knob on them to turn the volume off. Don't ask me that again. You can ask me other things, but not that. We're not going to do that. Now, believe you me, i got four kids, and it's hard to, it's hard to get 
it's hard to get them to do anything you want them to do. But because you struggle, it doesn't mean you quit. You don't quit. Look what it says about, uh, or I, I'm not going to show you the scripture, but I want you to think about Noah. I believe he too was a man who commanded his family to follow God. Why would I think that? Because when he goes and builds a boat and tells his family that it's going to rain, what's rain? They didn't even know what rain was. But when it was time, Noah called for his family to come in. And you know who came in? His kids and their spouses. Now, I have in-laws, and I don't know that I would get on a boat with my in-law if it had never rained. Now, I'm not trying to say my in-laws are bad leaders at all, but I believe Noah was involved in his family. How else would those girls get on the boat with their husbands? Because he led them to the Lord. He led them to deliverance. He led them out of, out of a, a, uh, a future of death. Death was coming. Noah led them out of it. Dads, that's our job. To lead our family out of death. I was reading today. Now, in my one year, I kind of get, get ahead of myself. I'm very OCD when it comes to certain things, and this is one of them. I get way ahead. But I was reading again about Paul and Silas being in jail and about how the, cha how the chains flew off and the doors flew open. And the jailer was ready to kill himself because he thought, man, they're going to kill me anyway because all the prisoners are gone. And it was dark, but next thing you know, they're still there. They didn't leave. Now, I felt the Spirit of God just speak to me. Somebody may have preached this. I don't believe I've ever heard it, but I felt the Spirit of God say, they didn't leave because that man needed saved. And it wasn't just that man that got saved. He went, they went, they went to his house and saved the whole house. You would think the doors would go open and Paul would run out. I don't know why he didn't run out. I believe it's because that man needed his family saved. And he was ready to ask, how do I get saved? Not only did he ask it, but he led the people to his home to save his home. Where are you guys? Have I, have I lost you? We've got, to, we've got to get a hold of our family. If we don't, no one will. All right, let's keep going. I'm going to get done at 7.30, maybe. 1 Samuel chapter 4. This is still today's reading. At that time... This is verse 1. At that time, Israel was at war with the Philistines. The Israelite army was camped near Ebenezer, and the Philistines were at Aphek. Verse 2. The Philistines attacked and defeated the army of Israel, killing 4,000 men. After the battle was over, the troops retreated to their camp, and the elders of Israel asked, Why did the Lord allow us to be defeated by the Philistines? Isn't that a nice statement? We've gone out here and fought... Now what you're going to see is they went out alone, and now they're blaming God for their loss. Why did God let us lose that battle? So, what, what should we do? And they said, let's go get the ark. 
Let's go get the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord from Shiloh. And we'll carry it into battle with us. It will save us from our enemies. So I'm not going to continue reading, but you know what happened? They, they, they took the ark. The Philistines got scared to death because they had more respect and fear of, fear of God. They didn't know God, but they were afraid of what was walking into the camp that they fought their little rear ends off and they won. The Philistines, the enemy, won. There's the ark, but the Philistines won. Now, what I want you to see here today, because I believe this happens all the time. They went to fight and they lost. So they go and get the ark. We'll go get that. Let's go get the ark. What did they go get? They went and got their religion. They didn't bring God. They needed God. They needed to inquire of God. God always answers when you ask. If you look in the Bible, every time someone has asked God a question, he answers. Except for one time. And it's when Jesus said, why have you forsaken me? It's the only time. God answers. So you can see, you can see with David, every time they inquired of God and God said go, they won. When God said don't go, either they went and lost or they went or they didn't go. So are, are you with me? They went and they got the ark. Let's go get the ark. They got the thing, not God. They didn't inquire of God. They didn't seek the Lord. They did the easy thing and got the ark. The ark was good. There's nothing wrong with the ark. The ark was good. It was the presence of the Lord. Do you remember they would take that before them? The tribe of Judah would go forth bringing praise and then would come the ark. And man, we'd show up and the enemy would already be dead. But do you see their intention? They went by themselves. Then they decided, well, let's go get that box. They didn't want God. They wanted the ark. They did the easy thing. They got the ark and not God. Wrong. We do that. We go to church but leave God completely out. We serve. We sing songs. We even try to live right. But leaving God out, your works are useless. Your religion without God is useless. Isaiah chapter 64 verse 6 says, When we display our righteous deeds... They are nothing but filthy rags. Romans 3 verse 10 says, As the scriptures say, no one is righteous, not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away. All have become useless. No one does good, not a single one. You know the uh, uh, MasterCard commercials, the priceless? Your works without God? useless your righteousness without God that doesn't even compute I can't hardly even say that without saying that just that statement doesn't work your righteousness useless seek God not religion seek God listen to me religion will follow all of a sudden church will make sense without God church doesn't make sense 
with God, it makes sense. Your works, your deeds will follow. Do you know that if you really allow the Spirit of God to come in you, you will have deeds? You will have works? You will literally be clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Why? Because you have Him. You have Him. John, this is still the one-year Bible today. John chapter 5, verse 24. I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe in God, who sent me, have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. I assure you, the time is coming indeed. It's here and now when the dead will hear my voice, the voice of the Son of God, and those who listen will live. Who will live? Those who listen, those who believe. Those are the ones that are saved. Seek God. These things will find you and overtake you. Now, I'm going to just finish right here. John chapter 5, verse 39. You search the Scriptures because you think they give you eternal life, but the Scriptures point to me. Yet you refuse to come to me to receive this life. Your approval means nothing to me because I know you don't have God's love within you. For I have come to you in my Father's name, and you have rejected me. Yet if others come in their own name, you gladly welcome them. No wonder you can't believe, for you gladly honor each other, but you don't care about the honor that comes from the one who alone is God. It even is saying that we can... Bertie Britt said this. I don't know if you all remember Bertie Britt from South Africa. I believe he's from South Africa. said that your daily scripture reading can become your God. Your quiet time, uh, quiet time, kind of, your, the hoops, the religious hoops that you jump through, that you call your quiet time. If your quiet time is literally coming into the presence of God, getting down before Him, humbling yourself, praying and really seeking after God, no, you're not missing that. But I can tell you that even in my scripture reading, it can become a chore that I completely miss God in. Now, when I, it says right here, you, you're, you're looking at the scriptures, but you're not looking at me. You're missing the whole point. Don't go read the one in your Bible and miss God. No, seek God and then get in the Word. Don't miss God. Church on the Hill, don't miss God. Don't miss your personal relationship with God. All the other stuff will be icing. It will be what I would say, gravy. I love gravy. And it's so good for you. Now, I'm talking about sausage country gravy. It's good for you. It puts meat on your bones. Don't miss God. Church, don't go through the motions and miss the Lord. You need to be in the Word. You need to be filled with the Spirit. But you need a personal relationship with God. All those things, the ark of the Lord, the songs we sing, the things that we do here in church are all good. They're not bad. But remove God from them, 
and they're just a bunch of dead stuff. We can sing great. We can put our hands in the air and run across the aisles. But without God, it's a waste of time. With God, let me tell you, I believe all heaven opens up when we, when we, when we have the right heart. It's like David dancing before the Lord. Everybody else thought he was a nut, except God. God didn't. That's, that's the one I want right there. That's the man after my own heart. Yeah, he's made a bunch of mistakes. That's the man I want right there. He's the one that can break every rule and come into my presence, not think anything about it. He was the king. He wasn't the priest. He wasn't supposed to go in and sit before the Lord, but he did. And you know who liked it? God. The people thought, what's he doing? David's like, oh, no, no, no. You don't know him like I know him. We have a, we have a thing. Me, me and God are like this. I got to know him out in the field with my harp. That's why when I faced Goliath, I didn't face Goliath. I was with God. He had a relationship with God. That's what we're after. All right. Father, in Jesus' name, we just commit to a relationship to you. And Lord, we just ask you to show us how to walk in it. Your word says that if we'll just draw near to you, you'll draw near to us. Well, Lord, help us tonight, right now, just in our heart, draw near to you. Just come a little bit closer. Just say, okay, God, I'm willing. I need you and I'm willing. As I'm praying, I will just tell you, sometimes I get so desperate that I just shout out to God, God, I'm drawing near to you. I don't know any other way but to just say, Lord, your word says if I'll draw near, well, I'm drawing near. We get so lost, Lord. But your word tells us that if we'll just come like a child, you'll draw near to us. Help us not miss the target. You're the target, Lord. All these other things are just gravy. Thank you, Lord. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Come into our heart, Jesus, and take over. Thank you for the prophetic the, uh, tongue that was given tonight, Lord. And Lord, we agree. Lord, we take Pastor Peter's word of, that we need to do something. We need to move Thank you, Lord. We'll move in your spirit. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You guys have a great week. Get in the Word.